If you've been listening, we would love to hear from you. Our audience is truly global. And so I know everyone who's listening is in different states of going inside or getting out. And I'd love to know what your story is. How is this whole experience affecting you? Email us at feedback at whattheif.com and, and we'll let us know. Welcome to What the If. Philip Shane here, documentary filmmaker, still grounded, still stuck inside. How about you, Professor Stanley? Uh, I continue my hermitage. I'm, I'm putting away ancient texts for future archaeologists to find, and they can uh, mystify over why it is that someone would have uh, stayed inside for so long. <laughs> we have a very, very, very special guest with us back. She's She's been, I don't know, around the world, uh, in and out of civilizations and cultures and species, um, and she's back. Uh, doctor, now doctor... Vanessa Parada from coming to from us coming to us from Sydney. Is that correct? That is correct. G'day everyone. Although we don't really say <laughs> g'day. <laughs> you can say it to us. Wait, people don't say good day. No, it's not typical. It's a how's it going? It's very relaxed slang over oh, here. Oh, interesting. We're so lazy we don't even pronounce the entire word at times. <laughs> right. <laughs> And in New York, it's not so much a matter of laziness, but we just don't have the time. So we also okay, we got too much to do. Drop things. We used to anyway. Um, how is the so uh, just to update and, you know, for future archaeologists who may have picked up this message, uh, picked up this, message, this episode, <laughs> whatever. We left you a voicemail, future archaeologists. You just you just have to find our website. And um, we are on day. What are you? Do we know what day we're in, Matt? I believe March 16th. I have no idea. It's more than six. That's all I know. More than six days, yes. Yes. But uh, once we once we hit a week, it's all it's all nebulous at this yeah. point. So I don't know. We, uh, my wife and I were talking and trying to figure out, and she has a better sense of the day because she's a school teacher. And so she remembers, as all good teachers do, the day that school was called off. And uh, <laughs> she thinks it was March yeah, 16th. So that's putting that sounds about right. Six yeah. weeks. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? So Vanessa, you were you were off the grid or something. Is that right when it happens? Yeah, well, um, in a twisted turn of events, which is quite interesting, I ended up getting married in March. No way. <laughs> ah. it, it happened very quickly and then the the virus was sort of spoken about. It wasn't really sick and in the midst of it right right then. And then I decided to continue with my travels to go to South Africa. So this was a very informed choice where we weren't, we were still allowed to travel, still allowed to do things. And I put my little cap on where I thought, okay, so the it's South Africa is relatively untouched. And at the time it was, which is great. And when I was going to South Africa, I was then going to travel to Botswana, which was in the mm. middle of nowhere. And that's what I absolutely love. So I thought, well, why don't I, I might as well go. It's be crazy. I'd be, be left wondering what not, you know, what would be, what would have, would have happened if I had have gone. And um, so I actually went and traveled and then the restrictions towards the end became a little crazy. Understandably, I'm a scientist. I totally get why. Mm. And I, I did cut the trip short, but I was able to spend some time in Botswana, which is great. Wow. Cool. So literally off the grid, like in a, a thousands of kilometers with lions and 
elephants, giraffes, you name it. And there was just no one there. It was fantastic. Wow. And so that was your honeymoon. Yeah. Yeah. That was my honeymoon. It was great. And it was kind of good because I could forget about the world. And then when, when the internet came back on, well, didn't everything go to the fan? <laughs> Talk about the honeymoon's over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Marriage life. Yeah. Welcome to the world again. Oh, wow. Well, congratulations. That's Thank wonderful. You. That's yes. wonderful. Very exciting. Is your husband a scientist as well? He was. He was a bull shark scientist, although he's now fled to more, uh, I should say, more uh, comfortable job prospects where there's more. There's a steady stream of income. Being a scientist can be a bit hit and miss here or there. Yeah. But uh, yeah. no, he definitely was a scientist. He used to tag bull sharks in Sydney Harbour. Bull, so, what is it? Sounds like fun. Bull sharks. Bull sharks. Oh, wow. Yeah, so there are these bull sharks that migrate from northern Queensland waters, so that's north of Australia or in Australian waters, and they come all the way down the East Australian coast, which is like if you think Finding Nemo, the EAC, uh, where <laughs> the crushed dune and Nemo come down that warm body of water and they come all the way into the harbour where they're there over actually right now. <laughs> wow. Yeah, there's bull sharks in our harbour right now and they'll probably be leaving because it gets cold and then they'll go up north and they'll go do their thing. How cool is that? That's amazing. That's pretty awesome. That's amazing. And so yeah. you had a wonderful question, uh, a wonderful if for us this week, inspired by your time in off the grid. Yeah, yeah. And yes, it, I was. It is. Yeah. Well, let's tell us what it is. Uh, let's see. It is what the if. And I always do that. I get ready to do a big what the if, and then I realize I haven't actually formulated the words. <laughs> what the uh, well, if? I think it's that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what the if we all just stayed indoors forever and the animals could do what they want? Yes. The animals reclaim the earth. Although we are still here, we're just. We're just indoors. Indoors. Yeah. This is the thing. This is this is the time if you're a scientist, a wildlife scientist, to mm. be collecting information about the world right now. Mm, and sure. I spoke I spoke on TV the other night about this because there's an article that came out talking about ocean sound, because ocean sound in in around America especially, we're seeing a decrease in ships in shipping movements. So yeah. if you just think of cruise cruise liners, no one wants to end up on a cruise line. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> Especially right. because there was there was one cruise vessel here in Australia that contributed to about one in ten of all cases of coronavirus here in Australia. It is massive, and I wow. won't say the name of the vessel. You can Google it. It's it's <laughs> happily departed. We waved it off with lovely smiles. <laughs> and um, and so essentially the world is changing on land and in the ocean. It's becoming quieter, and it's becoming less noisy for animals to talk to each other. So we last time we saw this kind of thing was after 9-11, mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. in, there was some research in the Bay of Funding of Canada um essentially saw a reduction in sound and so some cool scientists were collecting whale poo and looking at physiological changes and found that whales became less stressed so made the huh. determined that with sound whales become more it's, it's actually stressful for them physiologically yeah so that's interesting and so right now we're also seeing visions of like we're talking about venice before animals coming into venice that you can see the, the water's becoming clearer you're also seeing elephants you know, moving through areas like in India. How fantastic is this? The animals mm -hmm. are reclaiming the land. Yeah. And yeah. so 
when I was sitting in a game vehicle in Botswana the other day, well, a couple of weeks ago now, <laughs> time has passed, uh, essentially there was this leopard that literally just came past the vehicle. I'd never been this close to a cat like that before mm. in the wild. Mm. And, it's, and I, there was a stage where I was like, Oh wow, this is really close. Is this animal potentially going to come out and eat me? <laughs> and then, and then it passed, and it just did its thing. So this is the what if? What if the animals take this opportunity to now re- reclaim everything? Yeah, All yeah. Right. Actually, that's interesting. Yeah. If they just right, it's it's uh, they don't generally decide one way or the other. I'm guessing they just sort of go with the flow. But um, yeah, what if they sort of decided? You know what? We're taking back our territory. Um, or, or for whatever reason, I guess actually just the naturally what happens is because we, we stop imprinting their, uh, ecosystem, you know, with all our fingers and noise and pollution and all that. I'm going to say New York, New York is, um, I'm curious about, about your perspective there, Matt, in Manhattan, but like it has, you know, Brooklyn's always a little bit quieter, but like not that much. And we mm-hmm. happen to live right under the flight path of LaGuardia airport, you know, one of the busiest airports. And there have been uh, no cars, no trucks, the barely, like the literally the occasional garbage truck, but even those I don't hear as much. No planes, again, maybe one or two a day. And it is so quiet. Uh, and the air conditioners haven't begun yet, you know? So you oh, just yeah. hear, we mm-hmm. just, the every, one thing I've seen everyone talking about in New York is how loud the birds are. It's mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah, once amazing. you give them the chance to actually make some noise, they have a lot to say. Yes, <laughs> or they've been making that noise the whole time. It's just that we've not been able to hear them. Uh, there's so many other things to hear. Or do you think it is that they're actually making more noise? I don't know. This is a good question for our biologists, yes. right? Is it just when, uh, are the animals doing the thing that they were always trying to do before and we're just out of the way, or are they doing something different? Well, there's a bit of both. And I think that now, us as humans, we're allowing them to have that more available space to communicate. So they're probably taking this opportunity. But on the other side, they probably were doing just what they're doing. It's just that we didn't have the opportunity to listen and to hear them. Mm -hmm. So now they can be heard so well, but there will definitely be cases where these animals are now going to spread their wings, essentially, Mm. pardon the pun, and um, make use of this available acoustic sound. So I think an acoustic environment because that's very big in the marine world as well. But also the the air, you know, what about all these migratory birds that travel thousands of kilometers across continents, you know, going from mm. Europe to Africa? Mm. How is that going to look this year? Will there be just a will there be increase in, in breeding success and reproduction? Who knows? There could be a whole uh, host of things. And I'm talking really generally here. So if there's any you know biologists going, oh well that'll take sure. a bit of time. Well I'm right. talking generally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well I've even noticed the birds here, it's funny, one thing we noticed maybe a week or two in was like the birds are just walking in the street. Yeah, you know, which they just yeah. they would never mm-hmm. have the chance to do. And uh there's just yeah, there's just um so the uh what was this? what's the first thing like you said oh, here okay so a time scale that's kind of part of it so you mentioned right somebody might say well that's going to take some time yes how long would we have to go until we could see you know be so scientists could be sure so they had enough time to really count and observe to see verifiable difference well that's a great question because 
if I was, if I had all the money in the world right now to do some science, um, I would be collecting as much data, available data during this period to kind of capture the entire period rather than just stop now. Yes. So I'd go, yeah. I'd, I'd be comparing pre, so life is normal with our coronavirus versus yes. the sudden reduction. Mm-hmm. versus it's slowly getting back to normal and then a period after and then I'd compare that before, during and after period and then I, that would make sense. And you you can see why because then you can go, okay, well, this is life as normal, this is life impacted and then how did that actually change our behaviour? And so it might take a couple of years for the real for mm. this to come out. And, and, but if anything, this is a great opportunity to stop and take charge and listen as scientists to try and collect some important information that this might never ever happen in our lifetimes ever again i mean yep. let's pray fingers yeah, crossed right. we never go through this kind of thing it's incredible it's actually incredible and i was also thinking when you're talking about the birds as well what about those birds that rely on humans to live for example mm. when i say this i'm talking the seagull you know seagulls hang out at beaches and they're waiting for your chips yeah <laughs> we've also got in australia the ibis which is a white bird sure. with an elegant black beak, mm. and we call them bin chickens here. <laughs> so <laughs> the bin chicken has evolved to literally hop on trash cans and, and you know, go through our rubbish. What are they doing? Are they naturally going to turn back to their beautiful white colour? <laughs> it's all these things. Oh, well, that's right. So along those lines, I, I've, I have heard some, some stories like uh, – animals that rely on tourists to feed them. I think it was like monkeys in Thailand yes. or something. They're suddenly having a very difficult time. So these videos of monkey gang wars in Thailand trying to uh, get and also if I've, I've um, heard it suggested that rats in the subway here in New York City are having a very difficult time too because they're used to just the tossed off garbage from people. Yeah, they said the rats are resorting to cannibalism. <laughs> so th- like they are. It oh. is a really tough time to be a rat. Um, so I guess cannibalism means, uh, no matter what species it is, cannibalism just simply means you're eating your own kind. It doesn't mean that the rats are eating people now. No, No, that's probably, that's the next step, I'm sure. Yeah, in New York, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, so the, do we have a hope, and then we'll go further to the if, but actually, here's the interesting thing. Another thing we haven't mentioned is, and that's so stunning, and this is true around the world, the air is so clear and clean. I was mm-hmm. here, we, we live right on the East River, and so we look across at Manhattan. And, you know, on different days, different levels of humidity, it can look clearer or sharper. You know, even in the winter, you might get like a really crisp day, so every, all the buildings look really sharp and whatever. But I have never seen it. I mean, so it jumps out at you so drastically. It's like the buildings look, I was like, I never felt the buildings that close before Mm -hmm. because the air is just so clear and it smells fresh. Like it reminds me when I go to Seattle, for instance, or places like that, less polluted places or more surrounded by forests or Canada. I was like, it smells like Canada. Um, (laughs) It just does. Yeah, it's absolutely (laughs) amazing. Um, Do we have any hope of maintaining this a you know i know i mean the people have to people have to go back to work and all that so it's sort of things have to get noisy but i don't know if there's some way we could uh so here's here's the thing what is it what is it that the animals are getting to enjoy now and do we have a sense of when how long have they 
had that problem? Like, has it has there there seems to me their habitats have been decreased rapidly in recent times. This is this is really cool because you're getting me to think um, on the the way that a biologist would think, and this mm, is great mm. because. You got to remember. So, for your listeners, animals. There are certain different animals that have different lifespans. So, us as humans, we're mammals. We have a really good lifespan. Typically, if we're lucky to live in a fortunate country, we'll live. We can live up to eighty plus years. There are mm-hmm. some animals that live fast and die young, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, I'm right. talking about. Well, I know a lot of. There's a lot of rat examples, ma- mouse examples. There's one here, the antichinus in Australia. We know that they just will breed like crazy and then just die. That's it. They've passed on their genes. Party on. They're done. Yeah. That's how I live fast, die young. Um, and then there's some animals like us as the mammals and whales, for example, that have been, well, in the northern hemispheres, the bowhead whale, and they can live over 200 years old. Wow. So wow. a lot of these animals have this cultural inheritance where they've got this recognition of places and locations. So for example, again, I talk about the whale world, but a lot of animals that where they used to be hunted will now apparently according to scientific literature will not go via those areas because of their, they remember. Mm -hmm. So for many of these animals being born into the current environment, so say, let's go, let's go at a span of 10 years, go back 10 years. The world is how it was pretty much was. I mean, it was getting worse environmentally in terms of pollution. It's noisy. Many animals are born into this environment. They don't know any better. Mm-hmm. That is what mm-hmm. they've right. they've known. Yeah. And now for the world to kind of just stop, huh? many of these animals are experiencing this for the very first time. Like many of our children, if we can think about it, they've yeah. not known the world to be like this. But for those under, other animals that have been that are 80 plus years of age, like elephants, for example, as well, huh. mm-hmm. this is this is a, a, a snapshot. This must be like nostalgia, like when you come across an old school <laughs> video, uh, yeah. or, or you see an old school movie clip or something, and you're like, oh my god! I, or you hear a song, and that feeling that sweeps over you. How cool is it? Maybe it's like that. Oh, I love it. So like the, the elephants are going over to the rats and saying, oh, this reminds me of when I was a young, I don't say pup, I don't know what the juvenile for an elephant is. When I was a young whippersnapper, yeah. <laughs> um, it was quiet like this. And I used to chase Sally uh, down the street. So that's actually a really interesting thing. You say there's this kind of generational uh thing and you know who knows if the animals talk to each other um but the sense that some species uh understand what it is that they're hearing right now um and some do not right that's a that's interesting to think about uh, that um uh, different different animal kinds of animals experience the world on different time scales like that right absolutely and that's why when for example you're going to make a, a choice of seafood to eat Calamari is often a, a not too bad one because they have a relatively short lifespan and they reproduce quite well. So in terms of sustainability, that, that's at least how I encourage uh, others to eat. Uh, so thinking uh, like that. So it's, maybe this is giving us a set of tools to then take in post-coronavirus world. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. And um, I think aside from... So it seems to me that the only way in which this current situation is hard for animals would be that uh, lack of food, for instance, like you were talking about birds that 
depend on you know a lot of people at the beach although it makes me think you know we've had a big controversy here i don't know if they you've had this in australia um certain parts of the country california southern california and in northern florida uh they've had trouble keeping the people off the beach so too many people have gone out violated right. social distancing but it makes me think that maybe behind this whole thing is big seagull that the seagulls <laughs> you know bring the people get the people back do whatever they have to do um so maybe that's a thing, but in general, this would be benefit all the way around, right? Or maybe we don't know yet, but maybe do you think there could be predators that are now maybe more capable so that their prey, you know, somehow, I don't know, the noise or things like that. I don't know. It must be a totally uh, different rhythm for them, right? Well, this, here's the thing. That's yeah. a really good one because if you think about areas like um, India, and where we've, we see, and I could be completely wrong, the, the, where we've got in Asia areas where we've got jaguars hanging out. <laughs> um, that's probably South America, but areas with leopards as well. Mm. These animals are relying on acoustic pollution essentially, so they it's quieter for, it's louder for them to then not be heard. Oh, I mean, they're stealth uh, hunters. They're, they're stealth hunters as is, but mm -hmm. if it's more noisier, they can kind of sink in with the white noise. If you know oh, what I mean. See, interesting. And and if we're having those little creatures not eat, so we've got, say, for example, rats are not doing as well. We've got bin chickens. If you know the animals that relied on them, if they've got a decrease in those numbers, then it will be a flow-on effect. And this comes down to the food chain. We've got, you know, the food where where each animal plays a different area, like in the marine system. We've got tiny little zooplankton or microscopic little creatures at the bottom mm. of the food chain, and into the large top top end predators, and each play their roles. But you've also got areas like, you know, you're talking about the beaches being filled. filled. Um, in Australia, Sydney, Bondi Beach, one of the world's most famous beaches, was mm -hmm. just packed full of people not social distancing. Mm -hmm. And so Bondi Beach, for the first time in my lifetime, has had an opportunity to be, had a break, to literally breathe wow. Wow. And, and not have people on it. That is massive. And then... And then the other day, well, the other week, when I was in South Africa, there's baboons. I don't know if you know this, but baboons are preying on vulnerable people with their bananas and their <laughs> chips. Yeah. That's, my, my dad went to the toilet and a baboon with a baby with a little bub on its back walked in and basically just took one look at them. <laughs> <laughs> These animals are aggressive and waiting. On, they, one was waiting on my car, waiting for me to hop in. These animals, what's going to happen if they're not being fed by the general public? I mean, they, they, yeah. their diabetes levels would go down because they eat so much crap, essentially. <laughs> wow. Sure. And I'm guessing that, our, you know, they, we aren't as noisy. And so they are, it may be that a lot of reason we don't hear a lot about animals attacking people and stuff. It's just wherever we are, there's also a lot of noise and a lot of threatening thing. You know, cars are these giant things that are moving around and all that sort of stuff. And when it stops, it's, the animals are like see us for what we are <laughs> you know the emperor has no clothes <laughs> wait a minute yeah we thought they were you know they had uh skins of steel that were giant they were these were giant box creatures that move around on rubber wheels um so moving forward the uh we've let's say we've decided we america america uh humanity has a see for america and humanity we just think of it all mm -hmm. one the same um that is correct. But, uh, we just decide you know what this is we're gonna go with this we're gonna find a way to maintain our civilization everyone's gonna be fine but we're gonna stay in this mode 
because we love what's happened on to the natural world around us. Um, take us to a net, what's what's the sort of another milestone that you might uh, that we would realize? Wow, th- th- things are really changing. Oh my gosh, this would be this would be like euphoria, where we 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 stop cars moving on the yeah. road. We all become massive hermits. We have magical food deliveries that just come out of the air, maybe yeah. with drones <laughs> yeah. that are not hurting birds. I must point out uh, mm-hmm. the animals would hopefully evolve. I mean, oh. it's not going to happen overnight, right? Mm-hmm. But maybe if it stays this way, the animals might have that opportunity to reclaim their land back. Essentially, the Trees will become full. I'm looking at a tree right now as I speak, thinking about the little animals that live in there. They're now going to be coming so much more visible to us all and we're going to have that nature check where people who don't usually give a will actually start giving a. <laughs> and, <laughs> and as a result, we start caring more and our actions will change and these animals will be reclaiming areas. We'll hopefully start stopping deforestation in these areas like in South America. Hmm where it's just decimated. What about Madagascar, where they're, people of the demand for palm oil is just ridiculous? Mm, yeah. Maybe the lemurs will have their opportunity to come back to some extent, although I'm being completely optimistic here, but I'm mm, living mm. in an optimistic moment right now. Yes. <laughs> What's going to happen? Are we going to have, there won't be any, the animals in the sea, there's just going to be a huge overboom of whales, at least for some populations. Hopefully those populations that are trying to recover, maybe they're going to come back. We just don't know. I have actually, we've got great visions of uh, kangaroos jumping through the city of Sydney. So literally there's like, you know, there's CCT cameras, you know, it's dodgy vision. And then you've got that little date down the bottom. And then there's this kangaroo just jumping down the street. So yeah, animals will be literally hopefully coming to reclaim land. And the kangaroo example in Sydney is a great one. And it's kind of nice because it's it's seeing a kangaroo going down the street. Hey, it doesn't happen every day. I know people, you guys might think that we have kangaroos in our backyard, but it's not like that. Interesting. Yeah. So I'm seeing, I, I saw some pictures from uh, Rochester, New York, which is a sort of medium sized city of no particular distinction where I lived for several years. So I still have some, some friends there. Um, and there are these photos of deer um, just uh, making their way down Main Street. Yeah. Uh, it's um, it's a remarkable kind of thing. And what, I guess one of the things I find so interesting is how quickly the deer picked up on this right mm. it's not they got the news that it was clear pretty quickly so what what does that signify are the deer like always patrolling the edge of human territory huh. such that they notice these things uh, have changed quickly yeah well maybe people are keeping their cats indoors and doing little huh. things like that but ah. the, the the good thing is I what what I would probably suggest here is because I've done a lot of work on road ecology. And so for your listeners mm-hmm. that don't know what road ecology is, there are people who study the ecology of roads and how roads <laughs> impact the environment. And so for a lot of animals, roads are a massive segregation of the environment. Animals will not cross an area because there is a road there. Mm-hmm. Animals, if mm-hmm. they do, or some of them may be killed by a, I was going to say a ship, but I think of marine roads. (laughs) And so it's it's actually fragmenting their environment. And so now these animals, which probably do hang out on the edge, literally, are Mm -hmm. able to see that it's quiet and we've got an opportunity. Let's take that. And that's so positive. Yeah. I wonder if they even don't, 
I'm going to guess that they don't even see it as in or out. Like, I think I'm guessing that one of the things that makes them so comfortable is the lack, the lack of noise is so extreme. Mm -hmm. I mean, that has, and the noises that, you know, machines make is so unnatural and it's got to be threatening to animals. Uh, I mean, people don't like it, so animals certainly wouldn't like it. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's all gone and they just, maybe they're confused as to what is the difference between the city and the forest, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I mean, when I was in Botswana, I just remember sitting in the back of the the, the four drive, you know, everyone got, has those game vehicles and they're, they're noisy. It kind of annoys me. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. You should be going in like a Prius or something where it's a little yeah, eco car. Quiet, yeah. And then if you run out of electricity, well, then you just get in by line. <laughs> 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 that, that's the, 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 the sound that they use. These animals, whenever they hear your truck, they can hear you coming. They're right. just alert. Yeah. And the yeah. animals, you can tell, like this one leopard that I was near is obviously habituated. And this is another thing, another topic, animals becoming habituated to sound. So in other words, used to it. Just kind of like we're talking on Skype right now. We're just relaxed, chilling out. Whereas if you've never done it before, you'd be really attentive and listening and it just—it's all about behavioural shifts, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And it's—it's mm-hmm. sure. a—it's a great time to sort of reflect, stop, and take charge of what life is, and s- stopping and smelling the roses and listening to them as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh, listen that's to the roses. Yeah. Yes. Whoa, that's how <laughs> quiet right. it is. That's how quiet <laughs> it is. Mm-hmm. Um. So, uh, and this is a great yes. question because what's that? I was going to say. So, if we go down the road a bit, so yeah. to speak, yeah, yeah. time time wise, um, 20 years down the line, what does New York City look like? Ah. Mm. <laughs> Everyone well, has I, really long hair because I can't <laughs> get a hair. Finally. <laughs> Finally. Yeah. There'll probably be someone wanting to say, we've got to get our econ- economy going. So I'm sure that'll be still, but say we silence the, the economic drive for things. And yes, we go down this path. And do you did you recall sites of Chernobyl recently? With there was sure. the bush, the fire around there. I yeah. mean, they were talking about the. Oh my gosh, I cannot pronounce it, but that is a great example of there's a species of horses there, and I'm going to try it's Brzezowski. I can't, I can't. Please don't. Um, I don't study these horses, but these animals are essentially rebounding population wise and you can see all the old buildings they've all got trees all over it and and vines and this is sort of what we're kind of trying to create here in sydney with a few buildings but i reckon it would look like that okay yeah well in fact we might let's let in this in this optimistic scenario which we can certainly is is actually it is refreshing to actually allow ourselves to imagine something positive um we would say i think we would let the vines grow you know, it wouldn't be like there's a difference between Chernobyl yep. or, you know, we've seen there's there's been some great TV shows over the years of like what happens when people abandon a city and stuff like that or Planet of the Apes or any of these post-apocalyptic things. But this is really like a, basically a, a, a utopia of live truly living in balance with mm-hmm. all the life on Earth. Human life is so completely different and disconnected. What does it mean? What does it feel like? What does it look like to truly be living in balance with all the animals as if we were just another? Like, it's always interesting to me to see, like, the big birds and the little birds on the lawn. You know, you might get bigger, right? You get, like, cardinals mm-hmm. running around and then the little tiny sparrows or something. And they seem to ignore each other and they're squirrels and, you know, they, they're just doing their thing, you know. Um, 
what is it how would it be for people to be that way too like oh there's like you mentioned the leopard you know somehow we live in balance i think we definitely have to be less self-entitled <laughs> we'd have to forego a lot we'd have to go we'd have to kind of drop down a level so we could be more equal right so you wake okay. up here let's go let's go uh, i think 100 years in the future massive change is going to happen if we if we'd stuck to this kind of thing right so 100 years in the future where whatever this thing we are imagining about living in balance will have been achieved um you wake up in the morning and let's say it's like a a suburb let's say so because i just can see like everyone lives in their house so the humans are all there they live in their houses they only go out a little bit right so they sort of have their things what's what's life like in a perfect world yeah <laughs> well i can imagine butterflies and yeah. rainbows yeah <laughs> uh well rainbows are more I frequent just, inexplicably i would i would imagine that um you'd have your houses would look different it, it'd definitely be more eco would we would we return hold on a second would we then return back to kind of like the cage the, the, when the dinosaurs are around where we our houses would then become huts or something like that they're so green <laughs> and eco that well, kind of thing. yeah if we're not out there pulling the grass out of the sidewalk maybe that's right that's right would we would we be wearing clothes would we need to wear clothing are we going to go back i mean that's 100 years we're not going to evolve that quick but no this is the i mean but this is the constant mystery with uh, video conferencing right is do i have to wear pants yeah already 50 yep. percent of clothing has been yeah that's right abandoned just, just leave it to the side so after 100 years we maybe we would forget what pants were oh my gosh and if we if if we're not wearing pants our demand for like crappy clothing we just go down. And in Australia, uh, we yeah. are terrible at chucking out clothing every 10 minutes or so. I've, there's a recent documentary about it. Apparently, we chuck out a load wow. of stuff. Wow. <laughs> I'm self-muting my words, by the way. Yeah, this is good. Your, your control is impressive. Um, Thank you. Yes. Uh, now, I must say, so, so to step on the rainbows and butterflies for a second, mm -hmm. it seems to me that life in the animal world is uh, actually a terrifying, you know, horrific place in a way. Um, mm -hmm. I suppose you could go either way. You could have a good day and you could have a bad day. Um, yep. But I always love, uh, again, I, I, I need to learn the words exactly, but Werner Herzog it just has a great way of putting it when he's, I forget which film it is, uh, where he says, uh, you know, people always talk, they look at nature and they see it's so beautiful and whatever. And he says, what I look at is I see murder. <laughs> <laughs> which is right and at times i totally get that i see yeah. that too yeah mm -hmm. of course so what does it well, feel like if we are living in a world i mean we to truly be in balance it means we have to let go of dominance or you know we have to be extremely reluctant i suppose for instance to shoot an animal in self-defense yeah. or something well yeah yeah <laughs> i mean we're not leaving the house so we can't shoot anything Exactly. We'd probably be growing things. We'd probably all become vegans mm -hmm. because if we're not relying on animals or unless we have a little cow at home and we're milking it. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I used to have a pet cow, although he wasn't a dairy cow. He was a male. Um, but, yeah, his name was Zach. He's very cute. Um, but the, <laughs> the thing is, I think that I think that we, we would our senses would become so much more in tune. Like 
a few years ago, I went to a uni in South America, which is the, the salt flats, salt flats, and it was just mm-hmm. the environment there was like someone had dropped you into a new world. It was quiet. There's no sound, and so my senses, my I just remember hearing nothing. Yeah. But that opportunity to listen just made me feel differently about how I engaged with my environment around me. Interesting. Yeah, it was. It's really interesting. And maybe that might happen to maybe you just become more heightened. But in the animal world is actually a cruel world. But we are, we're cruel as humans when we slaughter animals. We do. But if you're if you're like again, take going back to Botswana. If you're an impala, you have to be on your edge the entire time. There could be a line coming out. No wonder they have those amazing projectile well, those ears. How they're just like amphitheaters around the head. They're constantly mm-hmm. on edge. You know, eating grass. They get up from the moment they're born. They've they can run within a couple of minutes. That's crazy. Yeah. And I'm talking about impala, like a like a sparrow outside. That's what it is to them in, in Botswana, essentially, mm-hmm. generally yeah. speaking. Yeah. I think eventually we would have to say, let's go to, to the take it to the limit now, that we no longer need to stay cloistered. Um, I think here's the, the interesting sort of ABC chain of events here was that there, we had this pandemic Everyone suddenly had to shelter in place immediately, which is incredible. Um, and 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 just like some of our governor, uh, Governor Cuomo in New York has mentioned, and others have mentioned, well, there's a lot of leaders that are like, if you had told them that the people, you know, for all the people who are out protesting, the few people who are not doing things properly, they, they said, if you would have told us that this many people really would abide, you know, by the restrictions, they they never would have believed it. So. Yeah. Um, that then allowed us to get a new sense of the environment. You know, we radically shifted our imprint on the environment and uh, maybe even add that, you know, the virus just reminded us also of our, you know, it humbled us a bit um, of the difference between us and the power of nature. And then we maintained, we said, you know, we're going to rebuild our human civilization, whatever, but we're not going to disturb this incredible balance that we've discovered. And eventually we could make our way out again. Uh, with, so we could live in and amongst the animals. But what we've decided is that, you know, okay, yeah, self-defense or food or things like maybe everything you do is kind of like what I imagine indigenous, you know, we always hear indigenous cultures, how they live. Um, certainly like the Native Americans you always hear about. Yeah, they killed, they, they ate meat and animals and things like that. But the whole thing was all imbalanced. We can't kill too many of them. Or they didn't even mm-hmm. need to, you know. Um, so that sounds like human population goes way down intentionally. Yeah. It would have to. Yeah. That's right. And I think natural selection would take place. Like there wouldn't be anything like, um, I know I'm just speaking from, from facts, but there wouldn't be anything like I, IVF, which a lot of people who probably can't have children would, there just wouldn't be the assistance for that anymore. There wouldn't be mm-hmm. things like, um, healthcare, for example, so if you're if you do get sick, that's it. Your your life would not be prolonged. Those kind of things, all these things that we as humans, which are, to our credit, we are amazing. We've created vaccines, although not the coronavirus one yet. These things take time, mm-hmm. but we we really need to appreciate what we currently have. Hey, this this stuff we we wouldn't our life our lifespan would just go down dramatically. And the other thing is the reason we wouldn't probably be taking too much if we didn't have if we were like indigenous cultures, they're limited to how much they can take because they don't have the, they don't have an electric car. They don't have 
uh, a massive gun to help them do these things. People are using mm-hmm. spears. And so a really a really great example of that is in Australia, there used to be Aboriginals used to hunt dugongs, which is like a manatee. Mm-hmm. And so these they used to do it by rowing out in a boat and attacking these animals. And now many of them uphold their cultural t- traditions but will do it using a speedboat. So uh, they're probably able to take a lot more individuals but just by means of their mm-hmm. – I mean, you're going from manpower to then manpower, horsepower. <laughs> you yeah. know, mm-hmm. this is this is the difference. So they're just thinking along those lines is something that we should think about. The things that would happen if we didn't – all the things that we currently do and take for granted that we're, that is would not be happening, but then maybe it would be a benefit to the environment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Matt, how would you say our – philosophy i always one thing i love about these thought experiments is that eventually the experience itself begins to change the way you think entirely right and and yeah um Mm -hmm. so i feel like we one thing that will never stop separating us from the animals is that we have we would be the only living creatures on earth that intentionally check their power that you know intentionally don't use all the power in their demand that's something that Nature doesn't even think about. It. Of course, they use all their power. It's the, the balance of things. So we would need. So we would need to have an ethical system uh, that made that a reasonable thing to do. And there are ethical systems like that today. But for the most part, um, uh, humans do not do a very good job giving each other rules about maintaining resources and limiting expansion. So that was. So this would require an enormous cultural shift. If nothing else, we wouldn't be able to accumulate stuff the way we do today, right? Your closet's going to get full really fast, and you can't go build a bigger house anymore. Um, and that would require a very dramatic shift in the way we conceptualize of what it means to be human, what it means to be citizens of the modern world. And, you know, who knows? Maybe this would this would drive us to... Uh, focus on virtual spaces more because we wouldn't care so much about the physical spaces because then everybody can have a uh, a palace in a virtual space and who cares about your dingy little room so it's interesting to think about the kind of cultural pressures you would get from this kind of situation yeah and i also feel like uh, um philosophically ending our philosophical train here uh as we begin to wrap up um the virus has reminded our civilization of something our generation and even, well, my parents' generation. It's been a number of generations since people, at least, in, I guess you say, in the developed world, um, have had to just bow to the power of nature. I think, mm-hmm. you know, with hurricanes and earthquakes and fires, all those things, as bad as they are, um, people... We still feel like, well, yeah, it's totally, you know, okay, that one area, that city, you know, was heavily damaged, but we'll get in there, we'll rebuild, no, no, no. We do not feel as a species humbled, I think, until this. It's certainly the fact that everyone, everyone, right. like I mentioned that thing about everyone suddenly abiding by this thing. Also, is this sense of like, whoa, I've never had an experience where I could, none of us have, where you could turn on, you know, on YouTube, you can watch the new live news around the world now right I, mm-hmm. what a bizarre experience to sit and flip through the different global television news networks and see the same story that's never yeah, yeah that's an it's been or certainly been never a very long time right? yeah. yeah 
Yeah. Um, so, uh, Vanessa, as a as a scientist and a human um, of equal parts, maybe like you know, Miss Miss Mrs. Spock. Uh, mm. How does it feel to be in the presence of this virus that is kind of dumb? It's really, oh, if we think of the virus as a wild thing, in a way that's kind of just boom, taking over the world. Um, how has that changed your perspective at all? If it has, it, it, it has, because I was always very grateful and uh, respectful of these kind of things. Um, and for example, you know, with bacteria, we have antibiotics. I know not to, if I get a cold, don't go take, don't take antibiotic bacteria. Sorry, don't go take antibiotics because there's a, there'll become a time where we may lose that opportunity to do something about it. This, I feel so incredibly vulnerable like other humans around the world because it is that invisible that invisible thing that's around and we should take things we should not be we've got to be really careful and that is crazy because we yeah like you say the whole world is under this this lock of this this invisible thing coming towards us we are we have Australians fighting over toilet paper where it's leading us to do ridiculous things. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm glad to know that that's not strictly an American. Uh, no, it is massively here in Australia. Wow. And it's, it's just changing the way we do things and making us appreciate that we've really got to just create this little environment for us and be kind to each other. That's that's the thing that I've got to think of. Yeah, yeah. And nice. frankly, this, right. the virus, we started up and we stirred, you know, we it came out of the the wild and uh in a way and it's us going into all these environments and destroying them and then you know hitting stirring up all these hornets nests of uh disease and things like that um well thank you thank you what what uh uh what are you working on now is is there a particular project you're focused on yeah actually (laughs) i was working on a paper looking at sound in the brain environment but that's now pre-coronavirus and that's going to look a lot different which is be very interesting also we're about to have the humpback whale migration here off sydney this year make these the animals are currently going from antarctica up past sydney and so we're about to have that humpback whale highway full of life so there's a lot of different things happening down here that's amazing that's amazing yeah uh matt how about you what are you working on um i am working on making it to the end of the semester uh and then grading papers and then we'll see after that indeed indeed and everything's still online there right all the classes everything is still online yeah nyu that's so good Mm -hmm. it's i mean it's as as difficult as it is to do things online it's so wonderful that we've been able to continue uh the university experience in some form for the students so i'm really grateful for that Oh, Vanessa, it was so good to get you back, and I hope we're going to get you back again soon uh, as well. Congratulations on your wedding, your new life. (laughs) By the way, if you have any questions for Vanessa or any of our other guests, let us know. We're always happy to answer those. You can also uh, contact us on Facebook, What The If page on Facebook, and on Twitter, What The If show and our website is whattheif.com where you can listen to all our episodes and as well as all kinds of um, awesome fun fascinating additional information that our staff 
continues to gather. In particular, uh, Ilya Jung does an amazing job. And mm-hmm. I also want to give a quick shout out to Howard Jung and uh, Kyle Crichton for all their help with our show. We couldn't do it without you. Um, if you could leave us a review on whatever podcast service you are using now, that would be fantastic. Uh, whatever one you're using, because there's a million of them now, let us know. Let the people there know that we exist and they can find us and look us up. That would be wonderful. Um, Vanessa, you are, speaking of the mail system, I don't know how long it's going to take. Also, I am terribly slow in ordering these things, but you are going to get a finger puppet to add to your collection um, (laughs) from my friends at the Unemployed Philosophers Guild. Their website is philosophersguild.com, and all our listeners get 10% off anything on their store. They make smart, funny gifts for smart, funny people. Use the coupon code WTIF. Um, so thank you. Uh, that's, that's it. I'll try to add something as well, but that, consider that our wedding gift as well. Thank you so yeah. much. Thank We're you. very excited for you. Um, so I don't know if you remember, Vanessa, how we uh, end the show. Yes, we ponder all the things that could be, all the species of animals that could be coming to knock on our doors. Matt, you were talking about the monkeys. I, I saw some mm-hmm. story about monkeys. Someone came into their house and found monkeys going through their refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> who knows what's happening? And so when we imagine all the things that, that are coming at us, uh, all the scenarios that are going to have to evolve out of that, we don't know what we're doing next week. It's going to be one of these 10 million things, but we, it just strikes us with horror and delight, but mostly horror. And it causes us to scream the name of the show very slowly like this. Join us now, if you will. What? What? Good day. <laughs>